Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Golden Ratio Podcast. I am Jen, GR Mom, joined as always by GR Dad. Hi. How's it going, GR Dad? <laughs> it's a hustle. <laughs> I should just let you keep going for like two minutes. That was about the limit of my knowledge. Uh, welcome to the No Rules Hustle episode of the Golden Ratio Podcast, the podcast previewed that we have had the most enthusiasm for ever. That song's The Hustle, by the way an old song that song is older than me yeah uh yeah let's talk about the hustle my <laughs> broke broke friends brokey broke yeah uh so the cheer dad and i were talking last night like your dad's like you know i was really raised to sort of be frugal and you know not spend a lot of money and i'm like the hustle has nothing to do with that like the hustle is independent of how much money you have and how frugal you are some people just like the hustle. They just like to find the ways to bring in the extra cash, whether they need it or not. Yeah, I don't think the hustle is a German thing. I think there you, you <laughs> like, everyone's in their lane, and you make money in your job, and that's about it. There, the hustle would be, would, the question would be like, but that's not your job. <laughs> that's not your profession. All so. right, but to be fair, I mean, we were having a conversation about some German stuff last week, and I'm like... Your, your, like, universe of understanding German stuff is, like, your parents and their friends, sort of. It's, like, you haven't lived as an adult in, like, an urban German area. True. Right? So there could be... Well, look, I don't know either. So, German listeners, please let me know after this podcast if the hustle is a thing in Germany. Yeah. Uh, all right. There's a, is that Vink or Hops? That is Vank being chomp, chomped upon and Guac doing the chomping. Yeah, they seem to enjoy it. It's disturbing and I'm not looking. Okay. Yes, no, Dad is also wearing sunglasses while we podcast because his chair faces the ocean, which is very nice, except it's sunset. So no, we don't have any blinds. The sun is right in his face. We only need blinds for like 20 minutes a day. 20 minutes a day. And blinds are ugly and stupid. And no one can see us through that window because it looks at the ocean. So I'm wearing indoor sunglasses, which is very key. You look super cool. Hey, man. <laughs> sunset, man. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the hustle. Basically, the idea here is stuff that you can do kind of on the side. I mean, some of this you can do like as your full-time job. Uh, it's not a great paying full-time job, but frankly, there's a lot of not great paying full-time jobs. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot worse. <laughs> I've worked some pretty crappy full-time jobs. Um, it's super flexible kind of stuff you can do, you know, on your own time, uh, whenever you feel like it. So I'm just going to talk you through some of this stuff. These are ideas you never would have thought of. You totally may have thought of these ideas. These no, are no, I'm saying. I think some of these are really up out there. Oh, no, I, I don't have anything crazy on here. Okay. Quack! Right. Quack! Knock that shit off! If only that actually worked. <laughs> it sounded like it worked, but it did not. Okay, uh, so there's a bunch... Yeah, so some of this stuff, I mean, I definitely had the hustle when I was younger and there weren't a lot of online opportunities, but now there's a ton of online opportunities. So here are some, and the applicability of these will vary depending on your skill level. Um, okay, so text broker. Make the internet worse for people, but earn money. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I was thinking of. I never would have thought of this as a thing. Mm. 
So Text Broker is basically a site where you write text for web pages and you get paid by the word. Um, it's mostly like search engine optimization stuff. So they'll give you like, you need to write an article about this brand of like mushroom extract capsules that you can buy. And in the article, you need to use the phrase like mushroom extract between three to five times. And you can't use it more than that. You can't use it less. And you have to use this phrase this many times. And, and it has a thing where like you type your text into the box and it counts how many times you use the phrases. And the idea is that you work them into the text in a way that sounds sort of legit. And those go up as articles on the web, which is that totally meaningless filler content that you run into when you're looking for legit stuff. Um, you know, capitalism, man. But you're in the system, you know? So uh, the way that you get in here, you just go to textbroker.com. I have done this. I have paid for vacations from stuff I've done for Textbroker. Um, you submit a writing sample. Check that thing a billion times before you send it. Every comma should be perfect. Obviously, check your spelling and grammar. But like they have those comma-crazed grammar people who read your essays and you get scored to write at a different level. So I think there's like levels one through five of writing skill and you get paid a lot more if you're writing at the higher levels, but the level that you get put at depends on the quality of that initial writing sample that you send. And you will get downgraded if you have one missing comma, which means the difference of like one to two cents per word, which is a lot. You know, when you're writing a hundred word essay, it's a couple bucks. Um, the size of the assignments there really varies. There are some that are 50 words, right? It's sort of like write basically a tweet or a little summary for this. Um, there's some that are 2,000 words, which is, you know, I'm not super loquacious, so those were kind of hard for me. There's a lot of stuff in the middle. Um, most of the time you're writing kind of blog posty stuff for people who want to sell things, and they're going to put in all the links and the products, and you just write the text. Um, so it's the kind of thing where it's like you can go in, and, and they have the articles divided by category. So I did a bunch of like real estate ones. I did I did something for a realtor in Franklin County, Tennessee, which is like where Nashville is. And it's like, you know, write a summary of e basically each town in Franklin County, Tennessee. So I made, you know, a couple hundred bucks writing this text. I knew everything, every like community park and pond and like biking trail in every town in Franklin County, Tennessee. Uh, that's what i was thinking of it was like you did this over a week or so yeah it was yeah uh and and that was actually one where he was like very pleased that i was writing like meaningful content and not like super filler because i was like well this is easy i just like look this stuff up on three sites and write this article and he actually hired me like directly through the site which you can do to write some stuff so instead of putting it into the pool they go okay you know jen i would like you to do this they give you an assignment and then you get basically more per word like there's a, a middle fee that gets eliminated um, so it actually makes more money so it's something that you can do and you know I mean you could easily like if it's just stuff that you're doing while you're kind of half watching TV at night and you spend an hour kind of typing stuff up like make sure it's good but you can make 50 bucks a week easy without a lot of effort just as a real sideways thing and if you put a ton of time into it you can make more and I have friends that have worked have done stuff on there too. So I don't really do that now because just the opportunities that I have for other side stuff now is, you know, pay better, but that, you know, I was doing that even after grad school, 
like when I didn't have a ton of side stuff to do, doing that. Um, Rev is another one, which I haven't done as a worker, but I have used. So this is a transcription service. So oh. people, so like I had to do, um, I did this class for a three-letter agency in the government, um, which was not a classified course, but I developed it for a classified agency, I guess. Um, the materials were all public, but since it was for the government, they're all required to be uh, accessible, right? So c compliant with all the accessibility guidelines, which means all the videos need to be closed captioned. And YouTube will auto closed caption stuff, but it's kind of crappy. So they needed to be accurately closed captioned. And so Rev is a site where you can just submit a link to your YouTube video and then actual humans will transcribe it for you. And uh, there's two levels. There's like transcriptions where you just do the text and then there's captioning where you're also doing uh, you know, ominous, oh, music. Yeah, ominous music, <laughs> you know, like descriptions of the other audio that's Sounds going of on. Glass breaking. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so, uh, and doing trends, uh, doing captioning pays better than just transcription. Um, but again, you get paid per minute there of audio that you transcribe. So, you know, if there's a thing that's an hour, you don't actually need to take the whole hour. You could take little chunks of it. Um, and that's it. You, take a job, put on your headphones, type it out, and submit it. And that's another one of these easy kind of sideways to, to make some extra cash. Um, so yeah, I've done that. I've paid for it. Works pretty well. Uh, Mechanical Turk is another one. So This is the one that I think is just crazy. So Mechanical Turk, I have used both as a provider of jobs and as a worker. The idea behind this when it came out is probably 15 years ago. So it's a service that Amazon provides. And the idea is that there's all kinds of tasks that we want artificial intelligence to be able to do for us, like audio transcription, though they don't have a lot of that in Mechanical Turk anymore. Uh, but like you look at a picture from a catalog and you can say, oh, you say it's like a picture of an Ikea room in a catalog and you want to say, you know, which item in there is the dresser, which thing is the bed, which thing is the lamp. It'd be great if the computer could just look at that picture and be like, circle around the lamp and like square around the but dresser. But they can't because they're stupid. Because AI is sort of stupid. And so, uh, but if I'm like a programmer and I'm like, I want to automate the recognition of this catalog, I want to be like, here's this picture, here's the text, like computer, match up the like, sections of the picture to the text describing the item so like someone could mouse over the picture and say how much it is i need the computer to do that for me automatically but the computer can do that so you can literally write code now that's like computer uh take this picture and put a circle around this product and it sends it off to a human being <laughs> who does it and your computer just pauses and waits for the human being to do it and then the answer from the human being gets sent back to you. Uh, that's what Mechanical Turk is. So it's named after... I was going to say, you should talk about the history because it's a, a, you'll never forget this story. Yeah. So this is, you know, artificial intelligence, like of the kind we talk about now in computers, was developed in the 1950s. But there were people kind of trying to do computing, you know, before that, like you know, computers like we sort of know them now, like programmable electronic computers are kind of a thing that emerged out of World War II. But there's all sorts of attempts at computing before that. And one was supposed to be an automated mechanical chess 
player. So it was like a computer, but mechanical, so not electronic, and it would play chess against people, and it played really well. There, so there was this actual machine that would play chess, and it turns out that it wasn't a computer playing chess. There was a very small person inside the machine actually playing chess. Uh, the machine was dressed up to look like what I think at the time was supposed to be a stereotypical Turkish person, and so they called it the mechanical Turk, but it actually wasn't. Um, so it was supposed to be artificial intelligence. It was actually human intelligence masquerading as artificial intelligence. And so that's kind of what the Amazon system is. They call it artificial, artificial intelligence. So it's people doing stuff that you would like artificial intelligence to be able to do. What's in there now is things like writing keywords to describe images or transcribing like text that's in an image and writing down the words that were there. Um, there's a lot of surveys in there. So I've put research surveys up there and they pay you a couple dollars and you spend you know, 10 minutes taking a research survey like taking a psychological test or filling out something. Um, all kinds of little tasks like that. A lot of them pay like two or three cents and they take a couple seconds to do. There's some you know, occasional bigger ones that pay, you know, a dollar or two. That's a, a big payment from there. Um, the guidelines for people using the service is that it should pay around $7 an hour minimum. Um, and there's, of course, arguments on, you know, what that level should be. But um, you can expect to earn something around 7 bucks an hour if you're an American worker in there. Um, which again, you know, it's not great pay and it would be really hard to live off that, but it's not nothing. And if it's something that you're kind of doing and half paying attention to, which a lot of those tasks are things that you can half pay attention to, you can rack up a little bit of extra cash. Um, I've definitely made like real amounts of money doing that, you know, 50 and 100 bucks a month or something, um, just kind of filling in my empty time with it. Yeah, and the good thing is it doesn't have to be 9 to 5. It doesn't have to be, you know, clock in, clock out. They don't have to be long projects. If you don't want them to be, they can be, but it depends on the project. Yeah, um, it's, yeah, you can literally do it in the middle of the night. and Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the middle of the night somewhere, right? It's, some, it's worldwide, so. Yeah, and, I mean, the people who work on that platform are worldwide, um, and being an American working on it or, or someone from Europe tends to get you an advantage um, because like you're a native English speaker, um, you're kind of coming from the same cultural background as the people creating things, which can matter for a lot of these tasks. And so some of the higher paying tasks tend to be restricted to people in the U.S. often. Mm. Um, so you, can, you actually can make a little bit more money as a U.S. worker in there. Guac's tail is like whacking against every cord in the podcast equipment. This is not going to go well, Guac. Guac, just throw his ball out of the way. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's all like accessible to pretty much anyone. Like, oh, that was Guac's head hitting the table. Guac, are you okay, baby? Okay. Um, yeah, you don't need any special skills to do that. You just do this stuff and it's kind of you sign up and you can do it. Other stuff, um, Upwork is a very interesting one. So Upwork is a site where um, you can post projects for people to work on. They tend to be programming projects, uh, design projects, um, sometimes technical writing projects, but it's a little more of a kind of techie programmer space. Um, I discovered this when a student in one of my classes posted the final exam up there 
and tried to hire someone to do it, which I found out about because a bunch of other faculty members who kind of do the hustle. like <coughs> That's do, cheating, by the way. Yeah, it is cheating. Do side work. We're like, hey, uh, there's a project up here, and it sure looks like your final. It's got like links to your website and descriptions of assignments. Just thought you'd want to know. So he's trying to hire someone. To do his final, to program his final for him. He's he's. He's like bidding on a he's bidding out a project for someone to do that is the final assignment in the class. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that didn't go well for him. Uh, but I was intrigued because I had not seen this website before, and so I signed up for it as a worker. Um, I haven't actually done any projects oh, in you there. You should have done your own exam. I sent him an email. Yeah. I would love. Uh, I'm very interested in this project of yours. Perhaps oh, no. we should talk before you take any more bids on it. Uh, which I'm sure terrified the crap out of him. That's that's good dramatic uh, busting. Yeah. Um, so anyway, if you have some programming or like UX skills, graphic design skills, technical writing skills, that's a place where you can go in. Um, people post up jobs like program this final. It's usually not people trying to cheat. It's little programming <laughs> jobs. Um, I've actually posted one in there that I haven't carried all the way through, but like I want someone to program a browser extension for a research project of mine and it's like I technically could do it but it would take me a long time to like remember people who do it regularly would be able to do it a lot faster so I've posted that job in there I got some bids for it and I just kind of haven't finished it uh, but yeah you kind of set like what your rate is you put in you know you build a little portfolio and you build on you bid on projects and and you can do them. So it's sort of a freelance way to do work. Some of them are, you know, really big projects that would take you a month. And some of them are, you know, little projects that'll pay you 50 bucks and you turn them out in an hour. So if you have those sort of technical skills, Upwork is a place that you can look for that. Um, Thumbtack is another one. Thumbtack kind of has everything. So if you do like logo illustration, graphic design, kind of crafty work, uh, of any kind, like if you could open an Etsy shop, the stuff you would sell on Etsy is a thing you could put up on Thumbtack. So it's actually where I discovered Joni, who is the person who does all the cartoon illustrations of the dogs that are in our like shops and it's like in our main logo, like those cute cartoon versions of the dogs. I had put a thing up on Thumbtack, I think that was like, I need someone to do dog illustrations, you know, for this website and found her. Uh, and yeah pay her i just pay her per dog that she does an illustration per of dog. i mean now I, you know i don't go through the site now because per like picture or per dog because per dog per per picture is a good deal for us yeah per dog so a so picture of all our dogs is six dogs well she she does guac oh, one at a time Brody, one yeah, dog yeah. at a time and then like i kind of put them together okay um but yeah logo design is up there i have a mel fisher emerald so Mel Fisher's the guy who discovered, like, I think we've talked about him on the podcast. He's a treasure hunter. He's a treasure hunter, and he found a, you know, Spanish ship with gold and gems and whatever here in the Keys. Um, and so I have a tiny raw emerald that was found on one of the Mel Fisher shipwrecks, and I wanted to get it set into uh, a piece of jewelry. And I thought, oh, it'd be good to have, like a like, a silver lobster that's got, like, a little thing to hold this weird shaped you know unpolished emerald and so i found someone on thumbtack who like does silver jewelry basically and she cast this 
thing for me, so I kind of paid the cost of the silver and paid the cost of her design work. And where are you going, your Dad? Oh, CB was outside and went for a swim. So, yeah, so Thumbtack is a, a site where if you've got some of those kinds of skills, like you're doing more kind of custom stuff, you know, making jewelry, doing graphic design, a little more artsy, um, you can do things that way. And then some stuff that we kind of use for the golden ratio. Um, when I was in like grad school and very early after grad school, um, I'm, you know, I'm not a great graphic designer, but I have a good time doing some of it. And uh, I was designing stuff for Cafe Press, which at the time was like one of the, kind of the only big on-demand printer. So the way these work is that you basically just upload a design. This is how all of our Golden Ratio merch works. I upload the design, um, and then this company like puts the design on a million different products. You can come and buy one of those products. They print it, they ship it, they charge your credit card, they handle it, and I just get you know a percentage or like a fixed dollar amount. So if you buy a T-shirt, whatever, you buy it for twenty bucks, and I get like four bucks out of that, and they keep the rest. So. Uh, you know, we have a store for the golden ratio, so you can just see all of our products, but all of those on-demand printers have marketplaces. So if you're like, oh, I want a, you know, camp, summer camp t-shirt that just has some sort of summer camp theme, you can go in and type in summer camp and you'll see tons of different kind of summer camp designs that people have put up. Um, some for specific camps, some that are sort of generic. You want a picture of a shark, there's like 500 shark designs that you can see up there. And I was making like almost enough money to pay my mortgage for a while because uh, I was just like regularly uploading stuff to those sites of designs that I did. Um, if you want to do it where like you're making a decent amount of money, you're kind of following along with trends. So like they would, Cafe Press had a thing, you know, back when I was doing a lot of this where they would partner with new movies that would come out. And you, so you'd get the right to use like the name... <laughs> Brody's making a lot of noise back there. He's excited. <laughs> uh, so you would get permission to use the name of these movies where like normally you can't do that, right? Because it's trademarked, copyrighted, protected. Right. Uh, your designs would get taken down. But if they partner with Cafe Press, it's like, okay, so, you know, Cafe Press gets a license. You can make a design that goes up on Cafe Press for the movie. And then people who are looking for kind of quirky, interesting designs for this new movie that's coming out come to Cafe Press. Um, Cafe Press has a deal with whoever the people are and then you're allowed to use the names in the trademark. So like, I don't know if they've done it with Star Wars, but you can imagine like normally you can't just make your own Star Wars shirt because they have protection over that. Um, but you could use the Star Wars logo and the Star Wars characters and text and whatever um, and get permission to do that. So if you want to make a decent amount of money in that, it requires kind of following along with trends and memes like what are people going to be looking for and making sure you've got those designs. Um, and that's sort of why I stopped doing it so much. It was just a lot of work to kind of keep up with it. Um, but yeah, so Redbubble is a great one now. So we have like all of our stickers are printed there um, and they print on tons of different products, pretty much everything, mugs and t-shirts and bath mats and coffee mugs, yeah. <laughs> coffee mugs, uh, masks now. Um, yeah. So, so that's a really nice one. They do good international shipping too. Um, and then we use Spreadshirt, um, which prints on pretty much everything also. They don't do 
stickers or they haven't done stickers before, which is why we're kind of in two places. Um, and it's really easy. I mean, you just upload the design, you check how it looks and kind of size it right for all the products. The pricing is all fixed now. So it's just like t-shirts cost people this much and you get this many dollars per t-shirt. Like you can't adjust it. And yeah, that's it. Um, it's a lot easier than when I was young. You had to like buy the t-shirts, go to the graphic design shop, get you know the screen printing done of how many t-shirts you had to do, and then you had a pile of t-shirts you had to sell. Yeah, you don't. These, have to do that this is on demand, and and you don't need to have the t-shirt shop anymore. You, they'll do it for sure. It's it's way easier because like if you get something bad, or if it doesn't fit. Like, I don't have to deal with you returning stuff and keeping stock and shipping things. Keeping stock is the big thing, yeah. And, I mean, you guys have seen, like, the metals we handle here, right? We have the Golden Ratio Shipping Factory, and that's why (laughs) if there's a problem, like... That's you. It's me. If your metal gets lost in the mail, I go, yes, I'll ship you another one. And then, like, a week or so later, I remember (laughs) to ship the other one. Uh, Because it's just like, man, I got a lot to do. It just stays in your car for a while, usually. (laughs) I mean, there's all kinds. I think I've got, like, three right now that I've promised people and i just need to ship them uh so yeah it's much easier to just have it done you know through these places that handle all the transactions and you just get your four dollars and you know they take their if there's returned and stuff they do it like that so redbubble has been great spreadshirt has been great and there's a bunch of them out there teespring is another one Mm -hmm. um and they some of them work in slightly different ways uh but yeah if you want to do that that's good um, we also do like in golden ratio land, we do a calendar, um, you know, it, and basically calendars just sell around Christmas. So you want to, if you wanted to do a calendar of something, a uh, 12 month calendar, you would want to put that up in like October. We use a place called Lulu. So if you just Google like Lulu calendars, they do like on demand book printing. So if you want to just like print your own book, they'll do it there. People can buy it. So like the golden ratio cookbook, they have that there where yeah. you can buy a print version of it. Um, but we do the calendars through them and so it's great you can put like dates so we've got like all the dogs birthdays on the calendar it's just like tell us the days and what to put (laughs) on there um and then you pick your photos for each month and they do the same thing they print it they handle returns they handle shipping whatever um and so you know that's a sort of smaller market they always send it to me it's always good Goes goes from you to them to me calendar you don't have to do that um but yeah, so that, you know, you're not going to make a ton of money selling calendars probably, but uh, you could, and they do have a calendar marketplace. So, you know, some people go there specifically looking for them. And so if you take pictures of some great themed thing, or even if you just like want to do a thing for your family and, you know, have them all be able to buy their own calendars, like that's a place that'll do it. So there you go. That I think is my money brain dump. Other stuff I do, I mean, I do... Poshmark, which is like used clothes. So if I've got, you know, I tend to buy a lot of my clothes used anyway, but if I if I buy stuff I don't wear and for some reason like don't manage to return it, uh, I'll sell it on Poshmark. You're very aggressive in returning too. I mean, I'm a very aggressive returner. If you returner. don't completely like it, you're like, ah, return it. Yeah, but sometimes there will be stuff where I'm like, oh, I think I'll like this. You know, it's like December and I'm like, well, now it doesn't matter, but you know, I'm in Maryland, December. Oh, I'm totally going to wear that dress this summer. And summer comes around and it's like, there's nothing wrong with it. I just don't love it. But it's like now eight months later and I can't return it. Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of stuff I'll, I'll put up there. 
Um, there's a bunch of places that do that, like ThreadUp is one. Um, there's a few different ones. I have found Poshmark is kind of the easiest one, and you kind of get the most money from it. Yeah. I mean, not to get all Marie Kondo, but if you've lived in a place for a few years, you'd be surprised how many old clothes you have that that you maybe kind of like, but you haven't worn in a year. Like, I have a lot of T-shirts where I'm like, eh. Yeah. I've never wanted to throw it away, but I don't wear it anymore. I'll always pick another one. Yeah. When I'm going through the drawer. And so that's a Poshmark thing. Give me five bucks for that thing or something. And then it goes to someone else, and I feel like I didn't throw it away. It's good. Yeah, I'm an aggressive purger. I mean, you so Poshmark, you're not going to do well selling, like, stuff that's been worn very much like you wear it a couple times it's fine right um and I, i've definitely sold t-shirts on there it's like i wore this j crew t-shirt once and then it just didn't fit exactly the way i wanted yeah. uh, it was basically like new like you you should essentially be selling like new stuff on there unless it's like really high high level brands right like i've bought louboutin shoes before and then sold those on Poshmark. Though yeah. things like that tend to do better on eBay just because it's a bigger marketplace. And t-shirt was probably a bad example. But I've had like yeah. dress shirts I've had where they're just not quite right. Not enough to immediately send back. But then I realize they're just not Jared, good. Jared, dad sucks at this though. You suck at returning stuff. <sighs> oh, I'm terrible. I have suits that I've, that I've worn like twice in five years, but I haven't done anything about it. We always have it where you like, you try something on and you're like, nah, maybe. And I'm like, no, wait, why are we keeping this? Like, if you're a maybe, like you have some that you love, we could just get I mean, more of those. I can just walk tippy toe and they won't be flood pants. Or yeah. Something. It's like, they almost fit. And yeah. you're like, why would you buy that? Yeah. Well, but you hate returning. Pressure. You're like, whatever, it's fine. I'm I almost not hate return. not buying. <laughs> but even online, like you'll buy stuff from Old Navy and you'll be like, yeah, I don't really like this. And then it just sits there and I have to like sneak in and get it and then return it. Because <laughs> otherwise you're just like, well, yeah, I never even took that out of the package, but I didn't want it. Yeah. <laughs> Rarer, more rare. Yes, I mean, no, I'm, that's true. I'm getting better about it. There's no... That's because I'm, I'm like, I'll return that for you. I'm and you're overcoming like, okay. the mental block that says, don't return. <clears throat> returning is great. Returning like, is the best way to get money. Somehow they'll judge me if wear. I'm returning. <laughs> like, they'll mock me for not knowing what I want. or some, There's something weird there. That is weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so aggressively return. Look, and there are people who make a lot of money on... Poshmark, where they'll go to like their you know local Goodwill or whatever, and find mm. you know the Lily Pulitzer dress that someone like me put in the giveaway bin because I'm like eh, I don't know if this is you know it's worth the struggle for the you know I'd probably get 25 bucks for it on Poshmark, but like I don't want to take the pictures and whatever and whatever for 25 bucks. Like I tend to sell kind of nicer new stuff that sometimes still has the tags on there. But you, if you do that, right, so you get a Lily Pulitzer dress for five bucks, put that up there. Like, you may have to wait a while, but you'll sell it for 25 bucks on Poshmark. There's some people who make a ton of money doing that. Like, they really pay attention to what sells and for how much and in what sizes, and then they go find it cheap someplace and, and then sell it on the site and make money. So if that's your jam, you can definitely make money doing that. Yeah. Um, but I, I tend to just do it with my own stuff to kind of clear out things where it's like, you know, I wore it a few times. I don't like it. Put it up there. But again, it's surprising how much stuff you ha- one has. One so, being not me. Uh, but even but you manage to to 
sell and or give away a lot. That's true. Right? You, you, no, I'm not saying you have a large walk-in closet with 4,000 pairs of shoes. I just kind of regularly purge, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. I'm never shocked. I'm like, okay, it's, it has been three months. It is time to throw stuff out. Yeah. yeah. But, it's a, but, but you, may, you, know, the, you don't accumulate. You don't hoard, but you definitely stuff comes. get rid of stuff. And I, and I tend to hoard sort of... Um, so it's even more you so. You keep more stuff. Yeah. I've been, Giordan and I actually had what I remember is a very fun time cleaning out his dressers in his house before he sold it. I mean, well before you sold it, where you had some of these like 80s sweaters they were and bad. like some sweatpants. Oh my God, like the Crosby show. Cosby sweaters? Cosby sweaters. Yeah. Had like one or two of those. Yeah, you did. They were fine in the 80s but i don't even think they were really good then but they're like real colorful patterns <laughs> you had that terrible nubby oatmeal colored sweater you I wore that, that once. was the bomb that was like silk or something he wore this this nubbly oatmeal colored sweater <laughs> yeah. like under a sport coat to work ones yeah. and i was like what are you doing what is this sweater that you're wearing and you're like yeah this is, i'm like get no you can never wear this sweater again i, I wore a turtleneck with a sport uh, coat you've told this i don't want to hear that about is it. such a look man i i see that now in movies and i'm like ooh, why did i do that yeah. <laughs> yeah. plus this may be revealing too much so i can delete it if you want me to huh. jared dad thinks he has a small neck <laughs> jared dad has a perfectly proportioned neck i mean it is I have selective body dysmorphia, and it's my neck. It's just the neck. Your neck looks great. It is exactly the right size for your body. No. There's nothing weird about your neck, but he's always like, my neck looks small. <laughs> like a turtleneck, if there's anything that's going to distort the way your neck looks. Makes it look bigger. It's, it does not make it look bigger. It, is, it gives you thickness. It does not. Thickness. <laughs> this is probably high school. We had to wear uh, suit coats. I... I we had to wear uniform as a uniform. We had to wear ties, or turtlenecks, but definitely suit coats. So, in the winter time, you get around wearing a tie by wearing a turtleneck. Uh -huh. It didn't look good then either, but at <laughs> least there was a method to it. So I think that kind of stuck. I kind of liked turtlenecks for a while. Well, I think there were probably some in there, but I remember like coming to your house once. I mean, this this was a long. I mean, this may have even been before we got married, and going like what do you have in this dresser? And I was like, oh, oh no, oh no. What, we gotta get rid of all this stuff. Uh, you can't some, wear this. There's some good stuff in there. There's no. like an old football jersey that looks good with like football pads, but otherwise looks really stupid. <sighs> has like the big shoulders for pads. I mean, uh, I and then you had, you had these suits that you had bought probably like when you first started working as a lawyer uh, and they were so worn out that your mom had, they had like holes uh, in the butt and your mom had like, stitched them up so there's like a little patch on this suit that a lawyer yeah. a high-powered senior attorney is wearing and i was like you can't i wasn't that senior it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter i don't want to be represented was, by some dude it was bad it was old man style it was like where my wallet is was yeah. worn through yeah it was bad yeah. so it was uh that was a great day where i'm like bring up the contractor bags we're giving away a whole bunch of stuff oh, dude when, when i was a young lawyer at a law firm right so i was actually making money for for the first time and they had this tailor who would come around yeah. and visit you in your office like po like ambush you in your office and like come in and bring sample swatches of material and start measuring you and be like and you'll just buy these suits and then you'd like you'd rack up three or four suits thousands of dollars worth of suits 
and then he'd come in one day and bring them and you had to like try them on in the conference room it was really weird i would have been like nope yeah nope but it was probably the only way to get me to buy a suit at the time there's no way i would have gone to like nordstrom and been like buy a suit so you know there were some solid blue and gray ones and then there were some shady ones oh, that there. olive one was very yes, bad where the guy talked me into an olive suit that thing was, was hideous wasn't even tan it was olive it was so gross and then they got him to yeah. buy this like gold that's where the nubby sweater came from too oh it was so bad that tie ingo had this tie for a while that i think <laughs> came i think you said you got it with that olive suit and it was kind of gold colored with yeah. like olive flecks like know, some kind like of weird pattern in there or yes yeah. it did sort of it was the ugliest tie i have ever seen i thought it went with blue it did not uh. and and you were wearing it for a while and i'm like this this is an ugly tie and you're like I, no i got that tie for this thing and i'm like this tie is you can't wear this tie anymore and so at one point i found the tie you weren't at my house and i was like i'm throwing the tie away like sorry it's going out like and you were like fine i don't think i missed it you didn't and uh can we talk about the quality of ties that have entered your life they're Since much better I have since you started buying them. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> you are an extremely attractive man. Yeah, you look glad you think damn so. fine in a suit and tie. Glad you think so. Damn fine. And uh, you are a both young man and a very youthful looking man. <laughs> and you should not be dressed like an old man. You should be as stylish as your body will support, and your body will support a lot of style, my baby. <laughs> I don't want to look at photos and, and cringe. That's true. Yeah, and um, you don't now. Now it's like, no. man, that guy looks good. Anyway, Damn, selling old clothes good. can also make you money, but also <laughs> is very freeing. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, and look, if you can't sell them, throw that shit out, and you're going to feel better. Yeah, even that's that's not exactly a hustle, but makes you feel better. Look. Yes, it's not a hustle to like buy your clothes used, but like seriously, if you haven't looked at Poshmark or ThreadUp, like it's worth checking them out. I, cause like I can afford to buy all of my clothes new, but like, like my, I think I said this on you last love podcast. Like deals. I mean, my running skirts, I buy them new with tags on Poshmark, and they're like a quarter of what they are to buy new. And sometimes it's like, oh, that pattern's cool, and I can't get that anymore. Like, why would I not do that? Yeah, it's. I mean, that's a totally. There's no downside. When new stuff comes out, when like, here, here, this month's Kate Spade designs, and I see something I want, I absolutely just buy it. Like, I can afford to do that. If I'm like, I love it, I want it, I buy it. Right. But I go on Poshmark all the time and find stuff that's like, oh, that came out eight years ago. Somebody bought it and never wore it. It's new with the tag. It's my size. It's exactly what I like. Great. Like, I will totally buy that stuff. Yeah. Um, I have a pretty small wardrobe, but I love everything in it. And a lot of it is because, like, I can find exactly the right thing, even if it's from five years ago by doing that. So it's, uh, and you could get some, and I mean, this is not what I look for, but, like, if you're really on a budget, which I was for a big portion of my life, didn't have a lot of money to spend on clothes, you can get some really nice stuff very, very cheap. I mean, you can get dresses that would cost, like, $200 new for, like, 15 bucks on Poshmark if you, you know, really follow it. There's no downside. No, it's all good. No. So there you go. There's uh, there's episode one of The Hustle. I'll probably come up with more stuff later and we'll fit those in. But hopefully that'll get some of you some extra dollar bills. This is all updated. I think when I was in college, the, the hustle was, this is pre-internet, 
stuffing envelopes people mm-hmm. people paid you to like put stamps on envelopes i yeah. think like mass mailings that they you like a friend my roommate would have like boxes of envelopes oh and he'd put stamps on them and get i don't know a cent for each one and and mail them out that's terrible well, yes it's, no it's much updated and i didn't talk at all about kind of gig work yeah here this, this stuff's all a little bit different but um yeah we can talk about that some other time yeah all right well thank you as always for listening i hope you make a bunch of money and uh until next time don't bite anyone unless they ask you to do the hustle and don't bite anyone unless they ask you to bye bye